Hello and welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, the podcast show where I interview the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by the very lovely Claire Ernstson. Claire's currently CFO for Mamas and Papas, formerly non-exec director for Game, and has also just secured a new non-exec role. I know she can't quite reveal to us all yet, um, so uh, so delighted to have her on the show. Claire's also a member of our Dial Global Advisory Board as well, which is which is fabulous, and so uh, so looking forward to uh, to hearing all about how she came to where she is today, and some of her experiences around DNI. Welcome to the show, Claire. Hi, Leila. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So for all of our listeners, Claire, give us a kind of a brief synopsis and a rundown of how you came to be where you are in your career today, because you seem to me to be a bit of a polymath. You've got lots of lots of different experiences at that exec level. And, um, you know, great to hear how you how you got there. OK, so um, I started my career at KPMG. So I did the three years traditional audit path that most people do, uh, followed by six months stint in restructuring, which was really interesting. And I guess, you know, sort of pushed myself through the doors to, to get that. So I was, I've always been one to express what I want to do and try and make, make it happen, either using networks or just, you know, tapping the right person on the shoulder. Um, and then I think I decided quite quickly I didn't want to become an audit manager um, and wanted to get out into the world and actually make a difference, I guess, and actually do something that, that sort of contributes to the business and you can see the difference. And uh, quite uh, luckily, my uh, an old colleague from KPMG contacted me about an audit role at Northern Foods, which I applied for and got. Um, and I was really sort of quite fortunate there. It was a great experience to get out of the business, build your networks. Um, and then a role came up at the Shared Service Centre in Wakefield. Um, so I'd only been in audit five months. I thought, oh, this seems a bit quick to move on. Um, but I did, and uh, it was great. Um, I worked there for 18 months, sort of cut my teeth on people management. And I guess that's one of the things I'd say to people out there, you know, don't be frightened to apply for things, even if it's been a little bit too quick. And, you know, actually to get to be a leader, you do have to have team management. And so getting it early and continuing to do it, you know, really, really helps. Um, and then on from there, I went on to a variety of roles at Northern Foods, generally changing my role sort of every 18 months. I'd like to go in, sort of change things if I could for the better, um, and then, yeah, do something different. So I've always liked variety and always been um, interested in trying something new. And I guess that's another thing, you know, sometimes it's important to go sideways as well as upwards to get a wide range of skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that was... Um, Northern Foods, lastly doing some M&A work um, and then my previous boss at um, Northern who had left and gone to Wilco's tapped me on the shoulder about a role at Wilco. So I then went on to my nine year career at Wilco starting off in the commercial centre, well so, sorry the finance centre and I, I really didn't want to do sort of financial reporting again, I wanted to go and learn on about retail and do the exciting sexy stuff in the commercial world. <laughs> But he was very much actually, you know, I think you need to learn the ropes, Claire, and um, of retail before you come and do the commercial stuff. And he was absolutely right. Um, and there was loads that I could do to transform the, the departments and change things. And actually, it meant that I got to learn about the business whilst doing a job that I, you know, I could do quite easily without having to learn the commercial stuff and the industry stuff. So actually, you know, sometimes listening to your 
mentors, if you like, and taking what they say on board and not just thinking, well, it's not quite the job I want now, because actually what that meant was it led on to the job that I wanted to do in the commercial finance sector. Um, and then I went on to be head of finance and then more or less maybe interim CFO uh, before um, I went to volunteer um, So absolutely fabulous experience at Wilco's, um, really fast paced, loads of fun, great business, and I love, love working there. Um, then I went on to my daughter, so had had a year off with her, and then decided actually I quite like the CFO business. So um, I then went on to Simmons, uh, back to food. So I think it's fair to say food and retail are my thing, um, both in and out of work. I think it's fair to say, like shopping, like eating. Um, <laughs> so did <laughs> so, the CFO role there, which was you know sort of new challenge for me I was, I was sort of working on my own um you know with nobody I knew so joined a new board um but yeah working in, in private equity so really interesting something different so you know, always been willing to try different sectors different business structures so and then moved on from Simmington's to Mamas and Papas another private equity owned business um again it's a turnaround so yeah lots of challenges but lots of things to get your teeth stuck into which is great um because you know I think I find that really really interesting um, and then I, whilst at uh, Simmington's, I got the role as non-exec and chair of the audit committee, and that was through my contact at Wilco's, where I sat on the board with there. So, yeah, I think you know, contacts obviously very, very important, and you know, enjoying the people that you work with as well. So, I've been lucky to have have that. Wow, what a fabulous career you've had today! It's honestly absolutely brilliant. And I must ask, just kind of rewinding even a little further than that, when you obviously, um, you know, started out kind of life, you know, at, at KPMG and such, did you always want to go into finance? You know, was it something that you thought? You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, as, as a young girl, did you think mm, in my career, you know, actually, I'm really interested in numbers? You know, how did that come about? Um, to be honest, actually, I wanted to go into medicine originally. So both my parents worked in the NHS and were really keen for me to be a doctor. So I was sort of always pushed down that route. And then I think I must have watched too, too many episodes of Casualty, seeing these junior doctors absolutely burnt out, working 80, 90 hours a week and doing dodgy things on patients. I thought, maybe that's not for me. I like my sleep too much. So I uh, sort of said, what else could I do then? And then, yeah, I've always liked maths and numbers and problem solving. So finance seemed a good career. <laughs> here I am. Brilliant, brilliant. I know you kind of said that, you know, what did you say? Now you said kind of commercial finance and some of the decisions that you made throughout that career journey were that actually, you know, something might have seemed sexier than something else in certain areas. I mean, is, you know, as you know, I, I suppose not one of the few females that is at you know the level that you're at within various different organisations. But um, you know there is massively kind of a uh, you know a disparity of women versus men at these these levels. Just taking one element, I guess, of diversity. You know, do you think in any way, shape, or, or form that it could be that I don't know is finance appealing? You know, to women is it is it deemed are there certain areas that are deemed as more sexy? Um, you know, what are your thoughts around around that? So I think in finance, I find it quite heavily dominated with females in junior levels. Mm. And then I think when you used to come to the senior levels, like the CFO or the financial controller of the group, they sometimes were more male. So it's almost like there was a bit of a ceiling for females. Um, but I think really, I think people are more accepting of actually it's the right person for the job. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of women have probably been put off sometimes climbing the career for personal reasons. Um, 
but, but you know I think actually people are open-minded to it and I think I've always never seen myself as particularly a, a female and it's an issue I guess it's like am I the right person to do the job and actually what do I need to do to get the skills to do the job and making sure I do that so that when I go for that interview whenever that is in 18 months two years time I can sit there and say I've got evidence of doing this not this is how I would do things so always got involved in things outside my role did a lot of cross-functional working sat on staff like stock committees which you know aren't the most riveting on a Friday afternoon um but you know they you meet different people and they go wow you know she's bringing something to the table because I always think actually when c-suite roles are talked about internally they ask not just you know the the CFO or the chairman, they'll ask a lot of your trading peers and those you've got relationships or you've helped, you've worked, it's really, really important that you've got eight people around the table going, absolutely, I support her to be the next person that's going to lead the business. So really important to build those relationships and you have to sometimes be prepared to wait um, and not jump. So yeah, various, I think it's very much for me, it's having that whole toolkit when you turn up for the interview which is the bit about working sideways, doing something different. You can get different skills, not just technical skills, but the leadership skills are just as important to show that you can manage change, to show that you can manage conflict. All those sort of things are really, really important. Mm -hmm. Usually by the time you get to the interview of CFO, uh, they already, they've already said technically you can do the job. This is about whether you can lead the team and lead the business. Mm -hmm. This is such an interesting subject and I think actually some really good advice actually for our listeners that, that are tuning in today uh, to the show. Um, but to really kind of focus very specifically on those areas, you know, the key areas of strength, the fact that you can demonstrate, um, you know, that, that you're good in a number of different areas and sometimes it is right to make a sideways move is to give you the breadth of experience like yourself, whether it be in, you know, different sectors, you know, different disciplines, um, other areas of finance, you know, it's another form of, of diversity you know mm -hmm. that in into itself but also as you say there quite rightly the power of the network is absolutely fundamental I think more and more so actually as you move up into those more senior career positions and, and make it up to the c-suite ultimately absolutely and I think one of the things I've always tried to do is not just internal networks but external networks um, which actually probably until the last 18 months has been quite difficult so I remember going to one dinner and there were 30 men there and like I was the only female about one lady who was actually working for the people who were hosting it and you sort of look down the table and you're like oh my goodness um, but you just get on with it but I can understand why that puts people off because a lot of women if they go to one and it's solely men you just think well I'm not sure I want to spend my evening with a load of guys but it's also important not to go the other extreme and just do female networking events. So I always try and do both because mm -hmm. um, I think they're both as valuable. Um, I couldn't I, agree. Oh, sorry to interrupt sorry, you. No, sorry, no, it's all right. Yeah, <laughs> so, so no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it is literally, it's that interesting kind of juxtaposition, isn't it? You know, you don't want to be, you know, told that you've, say, just got the role because you're a female or, or you know, have people presume that because there is a lack of, you know, gender diversity just to take one aspect of diversity. But then at the same time, it can also be incredibly intimidating and you want to be able to share experiences with you know women or, or other um, other individuals that you share um, you know certain affinities with or have something in common with so I know I, absolutely I absolutely know what you mean 
Yeah, I know. And um, so, yeah, and I think it's the same when I went through a management development program. I was one of a cohort of 12, the only female. And I think actually, um, you know, I've always thrived in that environment. I've never really know, you know, you sort of observe it, but it's never hindered me. But I think actually if companies can, if they recognise that, I guess there's two questions to ask themselves. How have we got into this position where we've only got one female? And also, what can we do to support them? Because, you know, one of the things I find is I'm actually quite softly spoken. Um, so sometimes getting heard can be a challenge. So actually having someone saying, well, what do you think? And the room stop and listen. If you're struggling, you know, over lots of men trying to get airspace, sometimes it can be, you know, physical things like that. I do find sometimes challenging. So, yeah, little things like that. You can tip someone off if, if you're struggling, little things to think about. What are the challenges before I go into a meeting or or and then how can I overcome those if they come along but yeah I generally just try and just jump in and get on with it to be honest. <laughs> I think that's really good advice and again I uh, as you were talking about that example I was thinking back to my own experiences and it was oh my goodness hopefully KPMG don't tell me off saying this because they've got some fantastic diversity and inclusion initiatives but it just happened to be um, a dinner um, with, with KPMG and there were a number of women actually who were due to turn up and anyhow was you know like yourself actually ended up being the only woman in the room and just thought for a second oh my goodness suddenly felt incredibly self-conscious but you know it's funny because as you you know when you're starting out in your career actually the, the the scales seem to be quite even so you don't think to yourself actually you know yeah. is gender going to be unbalanced later on it's just something that you know suddenly you know seems to appear almost and you know what you were saying before about the fact that actually there's you know perhaps a lot of um you know a lot of women and there's a good strong mixture of male to female um, you know, at those kind of those more junior roles, but it does start to diminish further and further. Yeah. When you look at, you know, the FTSE, FTSE 250, 350, it's something like, you know, eight women CEOs and, mm. um, you know, the C-suite, it, it just, um, you know, starts to diminish down. And so it's, you know, how can we get more visibility and get more allies, I guess, to be able to support those who, um, you know, perhaps don't have the, the confidence to speak up or mm. are, more softly spoken or um you know not able to be heard no i think as well i think now i am starting to see a difference so obviously when you're looking at roles there are quite a few corporates now that proactively say we want a diverse board and therefore we will favor a female position so claire you sit on the icaw committee and also the women on boards for for deloitte talk to me a little bit about how these networks run and in fact actually what does ICAW stand for for those at home who, who might not know? So the ICAW is the Institute of Chartered Accountants for Women and Wales um, so that's like the governing body for all um, chartered accountants so I've sat on that for about I think about six years now um, and I've done a few things um, with them which were about improving diversity within the ICAW and within business they recognise within finance that there's a certain level that women reach and then they tend to stop. They run quite a few programmes actually. So I was on maternity leave at the time and they were running a programme for people who were turning to work to give them confidence to go back to work and help them link in with people like some of the big four who do some great um, practices about um, or they do just come and work for us for three or four months if you like it then we can potentially take you on so really encouraging women to get back into work and one of the quotes there that I always I've always remembered is there was a an MP there and she says you know when we're talking around the room 
and you know men can be funny about women working funny hours or whatever or don't get it we all need to remember that somebody was pregnant to get us in this room and i've always remembered that because i think actually i love um, that yeah it's isn't it amazing i think she's absolutely right because actually without your mother's guys you wouldn't be here either so let's give mothers a bit of a break and try and help them get back into work and let's help them get up the ladder and understand what's what the barriers are I love that quote. I've actually just scribbled it down here on my, my piece of paper. I absolutely love that. And what were some of the, the other kind of the, the topics that came up? So obviously this is a, you know, the, these are women's networks, which are excellent. So, so women can share, um, you know, issues and challenges that might have come up that they might not feel comfortable speaking about in, in other more public forums. But what were some of the key pieces that, that women were, were struggling with in specific? I think some of them were actually, so one of the presentations that the lights were there, and this was about how women get into partnership, and they were actually observed that some of the, when previously the panels were sometimes all men, so they're before men, and women would go in front of them, and I think there's always an observation that men will be telling what they can do, and women always look at what they can't do. Um, and they were saying, you know, actually giving them coaching before they went for these panel interviews. And they actually took two men off the panel and put two women on. And then there was a massive difference in the change of actually women coming through. But sometimes actually looking at the recruitment process, it's not actually the candidates, it might just be the perception of the panel. And so they're really looking about why is this that we just can't get women coming through because we know that they're good enough to do it. Um, so that, that was an interesting topic at the time, and it was all safety, I see, how do we get women to stay in the business as well? Um, so they're looking at all different options and how they can support them. They do a lot of um, facilities in the regions, particularly aimed at women to help them get back into work or develop their competencies, etc. So in a safe environment. So there's a lot of, from my view, from the RCW, we've got loads of activities taken into work or helping work climb the ladder. Fantastic. And just before we wrap up today, Claire, um, and you've, I know you've listened to the show before, so just going to whip into a quick lightning round. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to answer each of the next questions before summarising. Um, but I wonder, um, you know, is there any specific advice that you might have given to the young Claire when she was starting back in her career, um, back at KPMG and thinking about what she wanted to do next? Yeah, so I was quite impressionable. So I'd look at all the good leaders around me and go, oh, wow, what do they do? And I guess I'd go to my copy. And I think advice to me was be your true self. Um, actually, you don't have to be like anybody else. But, you know, if you see something good, that why people, lots of people don't just take the bits that you like um, and, and, you know, copy those but don't try and copy any one person be yourself and what about authentic leadership what's authentic leadership to you i think for me it's about being open it's being honest it's been approachable and having the integrity so my team would always say you know you're really approachable and um, you say you're going to do something do it um so yeah it's just having your team to follow they've got to believe in you and have that trust in you that you do what you say that you do um, but you also tell them if things aren't going so well. So just be really honest and open when you can. So I love that. Thank you ever so much, Claire. And Thank you.
And, you know, it's been really great talking to you. And there's, there's a huge amount of things that actually I also learn as well from, from our conversation and the podcast today. And hopefully the listeners at home have too. Um, some of the key pieces that I've written down here that I think are, are real kind of real nuggets um, of gold that hopefully um, others can, can pick up on, especially for women. But, you know, not just women, but women and men and, and, and anyone. But really the power of the network you mentioned it a couple of times, it's so incredibly important. You know, if it is the case that, you know, you're a woman going off on maternity leave or a father going on paternity leave, actually staying in touch with the network, staying in touch with what is happening is so, so critical to make sure that you can come back in um, and hopefully have more confidence to be able to then get back up the ladder and succeed if that is what you are wanting to do. Um, you know, and I love the piece there, you know, as well also about family. You know, business shouldn't be a place that we come to and have to behave in a certain way actually our best selves can thrive if we are able to really embrace one another and and work together in in a similar way as we do, would do with family and I think the example of the um, team member that was autistic that you brought into the fold uh, was was excellent and actually you know really demonstrates the importance of everyone taking a little bit of time just to learn more about each of us because we're you know, we're all human beings at the end of the day and we all have different needs and wants and desires. So thank you very much, Claire. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No worries. My name's Leila McKenzie-Dellis and you've been listening to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, the podcast with you every week. Claire Urmston's been on the show today and if you'd like to check out her, her profile or get in touch with any questions at all, do reach out to her on LinkedIn or get in touch with me and I will reach out and, and make sure your questions are answered. If you want to download the podcast, it's available on Apple or Spotify and you can go to our websites to, uh, to download that for free www.dialglobal.org forward slash podcast or www.laylamckenzie.com forward slash podcast. Look forward to seeing you next week.